Good morning, New City. It is uh, so good to, to be with you here today. And, um, you know, not only did I feel just especially welcomed by everyone that, was, that I've talked with and interacted with, everyone's been really kind, I felt welcomed because there's a flag of my alma mater hanging up here. And I, I want to be careful before saying this, but uh, for the sake of vulnerability, I did go to the Ohio State University. And so, all right, okay, that was... That was, that was mixed, but that was better than what I was anticipating. Uh, and so it is, it is good to be with you here this morning. Uh, we do have, and now after I follow up with that, I'm going to ask for help, right? Uh, and so um, we do have uh, flyers on the welcome table. You know, as we were just kind of mentioning, we are starting this work from scratch. And so we are reliant upon uh, you all and, and people, uh, our network that's across the U.S. to connect us with people that you might know in the Orlando, in the Kissimmee area. And so there's contact information that's here on the back, a little blurb about us, but feel free to, to take one of those that's on, on the welcome table as you're uh, exiting the service this morning. And so uh, this morning we're going to be looking at this text in Luke chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke. And let me go ahead and uh, we're going to be considering verses 1 through 11. So if you want to open, open your, your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, all the way through verse 11. And so this is the word of the Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he, Jesus, sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for the chance to gather this morning. We thank you for the chance to just be with one another, to be a community of disciples here, learning what it looks like for us to follow Jesus, not in isolation, but to follow Jesus together. And so, Father, this morning, may we have this posture of being people who receive grace from you. May you strengthen us. May you comfort us. May you bring healing to our bones, Father. Would you renew us in the good news of the gospel, Lord, this morning as we, as we sing, as we pray, as we open up your word, would you capture um, our imaginations? Would you captivate our hearts with the person and work of Christ? 
And so, Father, we invite you to do a work in us and through us. May we be receivers of your grace so that we may then go and be distributors. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it was back in uh, 2018 that my wife and I were at a PCA conference, a denominational conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And we had been in the denomination for several years up until that point. But it was at that conference, sitting there in the pew, watching the speakers speak, that for the first time since we had been in the PCA, I saw another Latino pastor preach. And so there was just something about that experience, being Mexican-American, being born and raised here in the U.S., something about that experience, seeing someone up there who, who looked like me, who kind of talked like me, that I felt welcomed in a way that I hadn't felt welcomed before. And so it was at that conference that really was this catalyst that, that caused us to kind of come up for air and reconsider with where the Lord wanted us to plant a church. And I mean, that's the question that, that every kind of church planter, every missionary, right, thinks through is like, where, Lord, where are you calling us to plant? Who are you calling us to reach? So it was during that time that we really reconsidered, we asked lots of questions, we prayed, we talked with everybody we knew, and we really felt the Lord calling us to, to start a church, to start a new work in a part of the country where there was a near majority or majority Latino zip code. And so that is what brought us from the state of Ohio to the state of Florida. That's what brought us from Columbus to Kissimmee. And so we just arrived in, in June, so we are just getting started. We are spending the next, you know, several months meeting people, learning about the culture in Kissimmee and South Orlando, and really from there, we will build a core group. We will invite people into this work that we're doing of gospel renewal, of, of celebrating Christ and, and serving Kissimmee. And so, and so I thought it would be fitting for us uh, to just talk about discipleship this morning. That's that's this big draw that brought us to even church planting, is this, this desire, and you see this command in the scriptures, to make disciples. And so looking at this text in Luke chapter 5, it's the story of Peter's calling. It's the story of when Jesus comes to Peter and invites him to follow him. And we're at the point in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5, where where Jesus has already started his earthly ministry. He's already started, he's been tempted in the wilderness, and now in chapter 5, we get to see Jesus building his team. He's calling others to follow him in his mission of what he's doing in the world. But there's something unique about this calling story is that, is that the way that Jesus calls Peter, the way that he calls his disciples to follow him. And we see that Jesus uses a miracle. He uses a miracle, doesn't he? He uses the miraculous, and he gives Peter the greatest catch of his life. And so what we'll talk about this morning is how Jesus, he uses the miraculous. Jesus uses his authority both to expose Peter, but also to equip Peter. And the same is true for us as we follow Jesus, that there's both this following Jesus entails both this exposure of what's really there, but also this equipping that Jesus brings as he invites all of us to follow him. And so those are the two points, expose and equip. 
And so in verse 1, we're kind of setting the stage here. We see that the text begins, and it is a packed house. I mean, people are curious. Jesus is teaching with this unprecedented authority, authority that they had never seen before. And, and it is, Jesus is getting pressed in. He's teaching along the lake of Gennesaret, and he's kind of running out of room, isn't he? So he's, he's kind of getting pressed up against the water. And what does Jesus do as he's running out of room? He steps into Peter's boat. Jesus just goes and steps into Peter's boat and takes Peter's boat and transforms it into a floating pulpit. And then just look at this conversation that ensues in, in, in verses 4 and 5 between Jesus and Peter. Once Jesus is in Peter's boat, it says this, And when, when he had finished speaking, he, Jesus, said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And do you know what? Jesus is asking Peter to do. Jesus has approached Peter. He's sat in his boat, and Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that might not make a lot of sense, but I want you to trust me. Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that seems seemingly illogical and absurd, but I want you to trust me. And then in verse 5, you hear like Peter's reticence. You hear how reluctant or just sort of how confusing of a request this is. In verse 5, Peter says this, and, and Simon answered Jesus. He said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. I mean, do you know how frustrating that is, people, to be giving so much of your time and energy and sweat equity to a task or an event and it for and, and it yields nothing? Do you know what that is like to put so much energy behind something and it yields nothing? That's frustrating, right? Or am I the only one? I'm, I know I'm not the only one. And so, and so that's what's happening here. Like Peter is just like, that just doesn't make sense. I'm so frustrated. And so Jesus asks Peter, Peter, I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense but I want you to trust me. And so Peter lets down his net, and he's not sorry about following Jesus at his, at his word, is he? Because, look, he follows Jesus at his word, and he brings in fish for days. The greatest catch of Peter's life. So much that not only one boat begins to sink, but both boats began to sink because they are filled to the brim with fish. And see how Peter responds to this miraculous catch, to this greatest catch. See how he responds. Uh, look with me at, at verse 8 on, on the screen or in, in your Bibles in front of you. But it says this, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter is overwhelmed at what just happened. Peter is overwhelmed. Peter is exposed. Peter is in the presence of the living God, and there's absolutely no way that he can hide it. He is overwhelmed with, with his sinfulness. He is overwhelmed because he's in the presence of God. 
But friends, see the thing about this text. See and and just listen to, to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus does not expose Peter. He doesn't expose you and I to humiliate us. He exposes us to heal us, to make us healthy, to make us whole. One of my favorite theologians, Frederick Buechner, he says that the gospel strips us bare in order ultimately to clothe us. Jesus exposing Peter, Jesus exposing us, isn't to rub our noses in our crookedness or in our sin. It's to bring healing. It's to make us whole. It's to make us healthy. And you see, Peter is exposed. He's in the presence of God. But Jesus doesn't expose him to humiliate him. I mean, look at, look at what Jesus says. Look at Jesus' first words to Peter after Peter is completely overwhelmed in verse 8. Look what, look what Jesus says to him. He meets him with these words in verse 10. It says this, And so were also James and and John, sons of Debedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, his first words to Simon after this confession, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's these words of comfort that Jesus brings to a man who is broken, to a man who is overwhelmed with his crookedness and his sinfulness. It's not words of contempt. It's not words of guilt. It's words of comfort. Jesus exposes you and I. He exposes Peter that we might be healed. And so what is actually really going on here when when Jesus exposes Peter? When Jesus exposes us, kind of what is is going on in our lives? And do do we know what Jesus is doing when we just feel exposed? And man, it is it is it's uncomfortable, right? It doesn't make sense because our the affections of our heart are just longing for things that don't actually bring us life. So Jesus coming to expose us is is redirecting the affections of our heart that we might find. Find delight, enjoyment in the person of Christ, in his work. And what Jesus is doing in our lives when he exposes us is that he is he's shifting our dependence. When Jesus exposes us so that we might be healthy, he's shifting our dependence. I mean, just kind of think with me about the situation we just read about in this text, I mean, don't you think it was at all possible that Peter, the professional fisherman, Peter who made a livelihood from, from fishing and had been doing it as, as a career, don't you think it was possible that as Jesus the carpenter was coming to tell the fisherman how to fish, that Peter would have been like, like Jesus, stay in your lane, right? Like, you, you build, right? I fish. Like, don't you think that was at all possible with, like, what, what Peter could have been thinking during this instance? And the reason, the reason that, that Jesus' request to go out into the deep and to let down your nets, the reason that all of that sound just ludicrous to Peter was because in this day and time, the best time to fish was at night. And you would fish, not in the deep, but you would fish in the shallow. So Jesus' request to go out to the deep in the middle of the day would have been like, 
like, Jesus, I'm the fisherman. Like, you, you, you build, right? I'm, I'm going to fish. I mean, this is what was, was going on. It was this, this interaction here is, is Jesus just exposing Peter and shifting his dependence. Jesus inviting Peter in, saying, Peter, I am the best place to go with your sin. Don't go, don't go anywhere else with your sin. Go to Jesus with your sin. And so for, I know for, for many of us in uh, March of 2020, when the world shut down, we had just welcomed in our, 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 our baby girl, Selena, our third child. And here we were in the midst of the, the pandemic, trying to figure out what it looked like to parent. As we went from a family of four to a family of five, we had no idea like what was really going on. And so we were reluctant to ask like grandparents for, for help. And so it felt like overwhelming was... To describe that situation as overwhelming is the understatement of this. It was, it was chaotic. We were barely treading water. We were figuring out what it looked like to even for me to work in, in the church and for us to, to parent. And it was during this time that I realized that I had slowly been building and finding my identity and my ability to, to be a pastor and in my ability to parent. And when COVID came and just kind of just swept the rug right out from under us, I couldn't meet with people if I wanted. I couldn't meet face-to-face with people. Like everyone wasn't, we weren't doing that. And then my ability to parent was just thrown up in the air because it was just total chaos as we were trying to just, just you know, kind of uh, balance the, the ship as it was just so overwhelming. And it was these, these ways that Jesus was showing me, exposing me, not to humiliate me, but to heal me. To make me remember that my sufficiency isn't in my performance, it's not in my ability to parent, it's not in my ability to pastor, it's in Christ alone, it's in Him. And so Jesus was doing that, bringing these words of, of comfort to, to bring healing. And so friends, as we, as we sit here this morning, I want all of us to know is that both to our confession of sin and to the places where we have been sinned against, the ministry of Jesus Christ brings words of comfort. Jesus brings to us this, this ministry of comfort, both to, both to the sinner and to the sinned against. The invitation of Jesus is that in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will bring you what? Rest. It's this invitation of Jesus both to the sinner and to the sinned against. It's this ministry of rest. It's this ministry of comfort. It's this ministry of healing. Jesus putting us back together. I remember my seminary professor said he compared uh, humanity to, you know, it's as if like, you know, people are walking around like, like pieces of Swiss cheese. We got all these holes all over us and it's just like we're looking for things and we're wanting to replace the holes and kind of fix ourselves and patch ourselves back up to make us whole. And that's what the ministry of Jesus does. It, it brings comfort to us. It it heals us. And so our second point, so not only does Jesus expose, but Jesus 
also equips our second point. And this exposure that we just named, it's an essential part of our equipping. I mean, doesn't it make sense that if Jesus were to send us out as fishers of men, that he would want to send us out as people aware of their brokenness, people aware of their need, people aware that their sufficiency is met in the provision of the gospel. Doesn't that make sense that Jesus would send us out with that posture, with that need in that way? And so to stress this point even more, read with me in verse 11. It says, it says this. It says, And when they, Simon, Peter, and John, had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Peter, James, and John, they leave everything and follow Jesus. And so following Jesus requires us to let go of all that may hinder our full availability and service to Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus, that we would, we would let go of all that may hinder our full availability and service to Christ. And that's what the disciples did here. They left, they left everything. They were leaving behind economic uh, opportunities. They were leaving behind and they would have a change in vocation, wouldn't they? And of course, they were leaving behind any, any sort of social status that they wanted to have because they were following a man who had no place to lay his head. They were following a man who was rejected by family. They were following a man who would be beaten and, 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 and scorned and, and hanged on a, hung on a tree. That's who they were following, and yet they left everything behind, and they followed him. Uh, theologian N.T. Wright, he says this, he says, When a Jesus calls, he certainly demands everything, but only because he has already given everything himself. He has plans in store for us and for the world that we never have dreamed of. And so... What is Jesus calling us to do? Well, he's calling us to follow him, to follow him in his mission, that we would leave behind every barrier and make ourselves fully available to the work and to his mission. It's, Jesus is calling us to, to follow him, that, that the person of Christ, that his mission, that it would be so compelling, that it would capture our hearts and imagination so much that we would leave behind all of these barriers and cast our nets, that we would be fishers of men. And so perhaps this morning Jesus is, is saying to, to some of us, you know, I, I know that you've grown accustomed to fishing at night and in the shallow. I know that you are content here. I know that this place is just so comfortable for you, but perhaps Jesus is saying to some of us here this morning, I want you to go out into the deep in the middle of the day and let down your nets. Isn't that the life of faith, going out into the deep and letting down our nets? The life of faith, feeling like we are constantly at the end of our rope and we don't know what we're going to do or how we're going to make ends meet or, or, or what even the next day brings or how we're going to make it through this day? It's this life of faith, of just being aware that I, I bring nothing to the table. Jesus, give me my daily bread. I need you. 
And so perhaps Jesus is saying that to some of us here this morning. Go out into the deep and let down your nets. What does this look like for us to, to live in following Jesus and to be on his mission of, of, of being fishers of men? What does this look like? A few, a few ideas here, a few things of points of application. I think it could look like meeting and inviting new or old neighbors over to your house for a meal. The uh, director of the Florida Church Planting Network in our denomination uh, uses this statistic often, but he says over a thousand people a day are moving into Florida. Like that is that is a massive mission field. I mean, just the the from what I'm learning about the Kissimmee, South Orlando area is that there is just new infrastructure and new buildings and new businesses that are there today that weren't there 18 months ago, and it's been like that for quite some time. I mean, you all probably know way better than I do about, right, the Orlando traffic. And so what that means is there's this opportunity for for us to invite just new people, right, into our homes that are new to the area, that are new to Palm Bay, that are new to Kissimmee, in for a meal to build just these gospel relationships with with people who are new. It might also look like inviting people who, who were, you know, have lived there for a while, but perhaps because of life, I, I get that. Like, you guys have just gotten busy. And just what would that look like for us to say, like, hey, like, we, we haven't connected in a while. We'd love to get together soon. And then just putting something on the calendar, just investing back in these relationships with, with our neighbors, loving our neighbor as ourself. And this could also look like just being, being curious and, and thinking through uh, what it looks like for, for the church moving forward to just build cross-cultural relationships. I mean, that's something that, that we are, are passionate about doing. That's what, one of the things that obviously brought us from Ohio to, to, uh, to Florida is just trying to think through what it looks like for us to, to build this, this church where cross-cultural relationships are, are, are normative, where, where, they, where, where they occur. And so another statistic that just brought us from, from Columbus down here was just thinking about, even just in the, the most recent uh, census release from 2020, just my big takeaway was that the, the U.S. is becoming more diverse. The U.S. is becoming more diverse. And I remember back after this uh, back after that conference in Nashville that I opened up with, just reading about just some of the statistics about specifically the Latino population and just seeing that as of today in 2020, there's the, of the, the 60 million, uh, the Latino population is roughly 60 million people that live in the U.S. That is almost, that's like 18%. Almost one in five people today in the U.S. are Latino. And so you fast forward that, right? It's just a projection, but you fast forward that to 35 years, to 2055 or 2060, and that number is supposed to increase from 20% to 33%. A 13% increase in 35 years. And so the point of that is just, you know, we, we need one another. We need one another. We, we need churches in new places to reach the new people that are moving into the area. We need to be about planting churches and, and making disciples. There's a, a theologian, uh, Justo Gonzalez, he says that the church must be one because a fragmented church is not much help to a fragmented world. 
that the church would be the place where we model unity and harmony in the midst of our diversity, not because of man's power, but because of the power of God and the gospel. We have a resource that no other institution has for us to think through what it looks like for us to live together united in the midst of our differences that we would be a model to the world what, what, a, what a unified church looks like for a world that is deeply fragmented. And so what does that look like? And so you might be thinking, you know, that this is, this is costly, right? This invitation for Jesus to ask us to, to follow him and to leave everything behind. You might be thinking that that is costly, that that's a lot, that that's a lot of work. And I want to say, I, I feel that tension. Every time I, I teach and talk about discipleship, I feel that tension of what Jesus is actually calling us to do. And, and you see, if we fast forward just a few chapters, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this in, in the part of the text where he's talking about picking up your cross daily to follow him. He says this. He says that if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. That's what Jesus reminds us about following him, about being his disciples, that if we lose our lives, not for any old sake, but for the sake of Christ, that we will find it. So what this means for us is that as you leave behind barriers that hinder you, as you leave behind things that get in the way of following Jesus, that you actually find life. You find joy. You find purpose. You find satisfaction and contentment in Christ. That following Jesus is counterintuitive. It's the upside-down kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. That when you are weak, you are actually strong in Christ. It's counterintuitive following Jesus. And so when you are weak, you are strong. And so if we've read the narrative and the story of the Scriptures the story of the scriptures to the truth is that Jesus, time and time again, or that, that God constantly calls the reluctant. He calls the hesitant. He calls the timid. He calls the fearful. He calls sinners like you and me to follow him and to participate in his mission, to be fishers of men. This is what Jesus does. He calls you in the midst of your fear, of your worry, of your anxiety, in the midst of feeling like you were in over your head. What did you sign up for? He calls you and he says, follow me, I will equip you, I will be with you. I will be with you to the very end of the age. He calls to us and he says, invites all of us to go out into the deep and to let down our nets. And Jesus will show us his power. He will show us what he can do. He will show us that he is faithful to provide and to meet our need. He will show us how his power is made perfect in our weakness. He will show us that his promises stand true, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus tells us time and time again that I will be with you until the very end of the age. When he calls, he equips. When you're at the end of your rope, he shows up. When you are lost and you're confused, he meets your need in the body of Christ. 
He sends someone to show up and give you words of comfort, words of discernment, words of encouragement. That's what Jesus does. And so when Jesus calls us to follow, he exposes us, but he doesn't expose us to humiliate us, to rub our noses in our sin. He exposes us to heal us, to make us whole. And he also equips us. And he equips us by proving to us and promising us that he alone is enough and that he alone is worthy of our trust. Let's pray.